Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. reading is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Okay. At the end of the reading, I will say, this is the word of the Lord. Kindly respond by saying, thanks be to God. Matthew 26, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, good morning, everyone. Yeah, thank you for you for the reading. Shall we say a word of prayer? Lord Jesus, you're the first um, and the last uh, Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was, who is, and who is to come, the Almighty. I pray this morning that you will sanctify us by your word. For your word is truth. I ask, Father, that your word will pierce our hearts and our mind, our soul and spirit, the thoughts and intents of our hearts, that we might see your authority, we might grasp it, that we might feel your presence with us and as a people, that we might go forth into the world to proclaim who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. So good morning, happy Independence Day. Are we allowed to say that in church? <laughs> okay, so um, today, is, today is significant for uh, our country, Nigeria, right? Because we remember that some years ago, many years ago rather, we, um, we got independence from our colonial masters. Um, several things will be done today, even in the a sharing week, or things are usually done around this period. So several activities are put in place. To you know, several festivities are are, are being done to celebrate you know this this unique this unique thing about our country. And so a couple of days ago, um, there's something that happened in Lagos. It kind of related to independence in some kind of way that I, I that I felt is pertinent to what to what I'm about to say today. So somewhere around LTV. 
right? Um, Governor Hambody and, and the, the Lagos State government has already decided to um, erect a statue, you know, a statue of one of our founding fathers, one of those who negotiated and fought for independence, and person of um, Obafem in Awolowo. So his statue was erected. If you've seen it, so the guy is looking very nice, you know, but he's seated. He's done in these shoes that are laced up. It's seem bigger for his, for his feet. You know, no one seated. And nobody was asked, so why, why was this thing done? What is the essence of, of this? You know, he said, um, you know, I, I share the same, I share values with this, with this great man. You know, his idea of restructuring and devolution of powers as a means of preventing disintegration, you know, in a country. This is what I, I share that. You know, my party is walking around that. This is what I want to see in my state. So that went on. A few hours later, there was an opera on social media, you know, on Twitter in particular. People say, no, why would a fighter be carved? Um, why would he have carved a, a fighter, someone who fought for independence sitting? He should have been standing. You know, he should have st stood as a lawyer doing some stuff. You know, all, everything was said. So many things were said. So Lagos, the government replied. They had to answer. And so the spokesperson, you know, she reverted by saying, see, see, see. This is a man who was larger than life. This is a man who cannot be stereotyped. Several great men across the world, people like Abraham Lincoln have been, there are several statues of Lincoln, you know, sitting, not just standing. So but we can't say everything about this man in one statue. We want to talk about and, uh, that what we are trying to show you is that, see, Papa, you've left us since um, 87, right? And you're looking at us. We want to say, so this is where you guys are. This is what you guys are doing. So that was the idea. You know, but the thing that really struck me about the rebuttal, the revert, um, the revert statement was, it mentioned something like this. It says, see, immortalizing our heroes, our past heroes, is an effective way of connecting the present and future generations to the past and to the ideals of our founding fathers. The word that struck me was immortalizing. Immortalizing, to, best, to bestow unending fame you know, on someone, to perpetuate someone's legacy or someone's heritage. It is not a terrible thing. It's a good thing. You know, it's not bad at all to immortalize. But he says several things. You know, we have heroes or we have great men who have come, and they be politicians, they be presidents, they be CEOs, you know, all kinds, technology super, supermen. But what often happens is that there's a lot that they want to achieve. There's a lot they want to do. But different things come and snatch it away. So they have, maybe they die, for instance. So they have limited power and capacity to realize all of their vision. One. The second thing that happens is that their institutions do not really last forever. Do not last for long. They don't last for all time. Great outward effort. You know, all of the dualism, federalism, true federalism. We don't see all of that in our in our country as we speak today. So three things. One is that great men and great heroes, leaders, whatsoever. They, they have limited rights and power and authority to do what they want to do, to carry out what they want to bring about. Their institutions, their ideas, their values do not often live long after them. And the thought is that they die, they are not even around. Even if someone wants to do it, they are not dead, and nobody can carry it out like them. And so what do we try to do? We try to immortalize them. So we say, see, we want to do something that will allow your legacy to live forever. We want to do something that will allow you know, your, your idea, your values, what you stood for, we want to extend it. We want to try to extend your lives. We won't try to extend them in some ways. We build statues for them. We start foundations for them. We start museums. We write books and dedicate it to them. 
um, awards, all sorts, you, you know, like, in memory of them. All of that, we try to immortalize them. But how much do these things do for us? How much do they help? How much do they go? How far do they take us? So the truth is that we are looking for a leader, a person, a king that can last forever, that his is, that is vision and values and ideas are boundless. We are looking for someone who can be with us, who has all this and who can be with us for a long time, if possible, immortal. And that is where Jesus enters in Matthew 28, from 16 to 20. Jesus starts by claiming that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, in the second statement, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, all nations, teaching them to obey everything, all the things that I've commanded. So Jesus is saying that, see, what I say today, what I've said in previous months or years, they're going to last, they're going to matter forever. There's nothing that can stop it for him to have said that. And Jesus is saying, see, remember, I am with you from now to the end of the age. I don't die. You don't have to immortalize me. I'm immortal. That is what Jesus is saying here. So that is why we've actually this Galilee to Lagos. We are saying, see, all authority, heaven and on earth, from wherever Jesus was standing on the mountain of Galilee, making his address to disciples. And even here today, his authority extends, Galilee to Lagos. We are saying, see, the command to go make disciples was not just for those men. It, it is for all time, even to today, over Galilee and Lagos, and that Jesus is still with us today. As he was alive with disciples down that mountain, Galilee is also present with us today. So those are my three points today. His claim, all authority. His command, all nations. Obey all commands. The third is his comfort for all time. Three points. So we start. His claim, all authority. All authority, what does this mean? How could he have made such an outrageous claim? You might start to say, was he that he never had authority before this time? Or was it that he had limited authority before this time? No. Neither of them. We find in Matthew 7, Jesus, having given the famous or the best sermon given ever from Matthew 5 to 7, he said, they looked at him and said, wow, this man thought like someone with authority. He wasn't saying according to a wise man or according to um, that prophet or according to this man. He spoke as one that had authority. Matthew 8, Jesus had authority to heal the way he cast out demons in Matthew 18, the way, he, the, the way he cast out demons, you say, wow, who is this? People don't do this in our time. How, how come he's able to cast out baseball? How come he's able to cast out these this demons from people? He had authority to cast out. Jesus had authority over nature. He calmed the storm. In 14, we have how Jesus walked on water. Authority over nature. He walked on water. He fed 5,000 people with few loaves of bread and few fishes. Authority. He also had the authority to forgive. Some men came and they brought this paralytic to him. And he could have said, um, stand up and get you. No, Jesus told them. Jesus said, just to the man, he said, now um, your, your sins are forgiven. And then we asked him, ah, he says, so what is easier to say? Is it that the man was healed or the man was forgiven? And he says, see, 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 see. Why I've done this is to show you that I have authority to forgive. Jesus had authority before now. So what's this place? What does he mean by saying all authority? He said, before I go on to show you, 
Jesus is not just speaking about authority. Jesus is actually referring to a different kind of kingship, a different kind of kingdom. Jesus is talking about another kind of kingdom. Because in Matthew 2, when the Magi came to worship him, a baby he was, they came, they say, wise men from the east came to worship. We are looking for the king of the Jews. He's a king that brought about some new dimension of rule, some new dimension of authority. You see, this, this signs that Jesus performed is pointing to his kingdom where the hungry will be fed. It's pointing to a particular kingdom where all sick people will be healed. It's pointing to a particular kingdom where all demons will be defeated. It's pointing to a particular kingdom where there will be perfect security, where there will be abundance. There is no such kingdom in this world. There has never been such kingdom ever. These were signs pointing to the kind of kingdom Jesus was going to bring about. He's a different kind of king. One with a different kind of authority. But the even interesting thing is that it is, it is from a long time coming. It's in Matthew 1, 1 in the, at the start of the book, Matthew starts by writing that this is the genealogy of the son of David. This is the genealogy of the son of Abraham. He was saying something that, see, I am not just writing about this because I'm knowing this now. People have said things about this guy from of old, from time past. You know, we can quickly take a look at a few. You can go to Isaiah 9.6 with me and let us, let, let us see prophecies of this king from time past. Isaiah 9.6. I want us to just quickly see one and I'll read the rest. Isaiah 9.6. I'm reading from um, the CSB. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on our shoulders. It will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. It will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Do you see the reference there? On the throne of David. And that was how Matthew started his, his book. This is a king that has been prophesied of old. You find other references in Psalm 72. You see, this king, his kingdom will last forever. You know, and then in Acts 13, 33 to 39, I want us to really see that because some people might say, you see, Psalm 32, is not Psalm 72, he's not talking about David. Or it's not talking about someone else, but Paul made it very clear to us. If you can quickly turn to Acts 13, we'll see this quickly. Acts 13 from verse 33. From verse 33. <clears throat> God has fulfilled this for us, their children, by raising up Jesus as it is written in the second Psalm. You are my son. Today I have become your father. As to his raising from the dead, never, never to return to decay. He has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure promises of David. Therefore, he also says in another message, you will not let your holy one see decay. For David, after serving God's purpose in his own generation, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers and decayed. But the one God raised up did not decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. Paul is referring to a king whose kingdom cannot end. For David died for all of his greatness and glory, for all of his righteousness, for all of the things that he did in his kingdom. He died and he decayed. But Jesus is the king 
that is different. So you can imagine why his disciples were distressed. You can imagine why they were dispersed. After this man who had done great wonders, this man who had fed hungry people, this man who had healed the sick, this man who had defeated demons, this man who had done all great things, to their dismay and surprise, he died. So they were shocked and they wondered. That is what we see in 16. You see, when they came, some worshipped and some doubted. They were unsure. Wait, wait, wait. We were expecting a king that will come to bring a perfect kingdom, overcome the Roman Empire, bring to not all of these things that we see in this world. We want an end to suffering and poverty and all the evil in this world. But how come this king that we've been expecting, how come, how come, how come he dies? How, they can't really get it. You know, it says a lot about our lives, even as we live today. You know, you, 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 you do stuff, you... Um, you're expecting a number of things to materialize for you. Oh, even in our government, we think, oh, if we vote that party, if we vote um, this, we are expecting a president that will come, you know, and heal all our desires and bring the good country that we're wishing for. We're expecting that governor. We're expecting that commissioner. Or for those who are even lost hope in government, you're expecting that, see, it is that job or is that marriage or is this. And then that thing you've put all of your hope in suddenly vanishes in thin air. This was the dismay, this was the discouragement that the disciples felt. So I wish, is this, is this, so Jesus is just like every other king. Jesus is just like, so David, all of them, Solomon, the prophets, all of them that promised us stuff. So everything has ended. There is just no hope. There, there, is, no, there is no different thing. But what we have in Matthew 28 is that this Jesus rose. He didn't remain dead. He didn't remain in his grave. Jesus rose up from the dead. But there was something about his death. Do you notice that just before he was going to, be, he was going to die, when people came, when they came to arrest him, and then he told them, see, see, you're not arrested by your own power. You see, because I have the power to call down legions of angels. It's a different kind of, why? Why would he have so much power? Why would he have so much right? Because if we truly define authority, authority would mean to have rights and to have the ability to do whatever, the right to do anything he wants, and the ability, the capacity to carry it out. So Jesus had both. Perfect, pure king. There was no blame, no blemish. A king who had vast power. And then he says, see, I had the power to call them, but I, I didn't, I'm not going to call them. I'm sorry, it's just going to be fulfilled. You see, when Jesus had the time to defend himself before Pontius Pilate, he said nothing. He said, you are the king of you. He said, so it is. Look at what they are saying about you. He said, I have nothing to say. A different kind of king. No king would do that. No, no leader, no kind of ruler would do such thing. So there was something about his death. There was something about his dying. There was something about him that was different. How could he have allowed himself to die? We find the answers in the very book of Matthew himself. For in Matthew 1, when, when, the, prophecy of this, when the prophecy of the son that was going to be born to Joseph and Mary was given, he says, see, it will be born to you a son, and his name will be called Jesus, for he will come to save his people from their sins. For this king has not come, yeah, his kingdom, when his kingdom will be consummated, when his kingdom will fully come, indeed there will be no hungry people. Indeed there will be no sick people. Indeed there will be no demons. No, but the primary reason why this Jesus has come is so that he will save his people from their sins. Jesus' kingdom is redemptive in his mission. So, you... Three times in Matthew, Jesus predicted his death. They seem to have forgotten. Three times, 16 and 17 and 20. 
He says, see, um, the Son of Man is going to die, and then he's, cruc- he's crucified, and he raised up. He thought, the Son of Man is going to die, crucified, and raised up. The Son of Man is going to die, he's going to be crucified. Jesus has also told them, he says, see, the Son of Man, why, in Matthew 20, why he has started to talk about the rulers of this world. So the mother of one, of the mother of the two disciples came to meet Jesus and said, see, in your kingdom, I want both of my sons to sit at your right hand and your left hand. And Jesus is not giving to me. He says, and then went on to talk about how that, see, the rulers in this world lord it over the people. He said, but me, I'm a different kind. I have not come to be saved. I have come to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. This is the real reason for Jesus' coming. This is the real reason of Jesus' kingdom. It's redemptive in mission. So it's the first thing we want to try to understand here. That how come this man has this kind of authority? You see, and because of this, because of the kind of kingdom Jesus had come to, um, to, to, to start, or the kind of kingdom that Jesus, is, Jesus had, we read in Revelation 5 verse 9, quickly. Revelation 5 verse 9. See something quickly about Jesus' kingdom. Why was it so different? Revelation 5 verse 9. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you are slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. The slaughtered lamb has become the sovereign Lord of all. This is Jesus' kingdom, redemptive, coming to die. The primary reason, this is fundamental. And in Philippians 2, the famous Philippians 2, the aim, it says that because, this, because Jesus was obedient to death on the cross, the Father exalted him, gave him a name that is far above every other name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. This is why Jesus could say, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Who gave him his father? All authority. So we see a different kind of king here. A king who has all authority over death, over life, over disease, over sickness, everything we've seen. But we see that the fundamental reason for his kingdom is this. No one ever has ever come. So the question to ask yourself today is, are you subject to this king? Are you subject to his authority? So you begin to ask yourself, um, you know, because I see the kind of thing that Jesus wants to do, you know, because he, Jesus has come to redeem um, sick people, to work for all this. I, I, I have an NGO. You know, I, I work for human rights. I work for women's rights. You see, but that is, that is, that makes a lot of sense to Jesus' kingdom. But Jesus is saying, see, that is, that is not how you become part of this kingdom. That is not how you show your full allegiance to this king. For this king's mission is redemptive. So if you have not put your trust in the fact that he gave himself, him who had all rights and all power, surrendered them, so that you who had nothing, worthless, powerless, had no rights, could have access the way he does. If you have not put your trust in that and you do all of those good things, then you have no access to this kingdom. You're not subject to this kingdom. This is what Jesus is saying. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Or you say to yourself, I have been born into a Christian home. You see, I know the scriptures, but I can, I, I can recite um, the Psalms. I can recite all this on my head. I, I, know, I know these creeds from time immemorial. You see, the kingdom of Jesus, <laughs> our dads and our kings, our moms, and our, they, don't have, they don't have all authority. The same way you are born into the kingdom of um, maybe if the queen or queen's family, or the, you, it's, it's not the same. You come to this kingdom by submitting to the redemptive, to the redemptive power, to the redemptive authority of the King Jesus. Or maybe your case is not such. I obey at all times. I, I understand. I'm the gospel. I do blah, blah. I, I do stuff. I know these things you are saying. I grasp it. You see, boy, if Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, it means that you don't only obey him the times that you feel like, the times that you wish, the times that are easy. You don't only obey him if something is good in your life, if something is working well in your life. You obey him at all times. All authority. Over your time and your business and your family and your marriage and everything. It means that you submit to him, not when. You submit to him at all times. This is what it means. So can we look, really look into our heart and say, yeah, I understand that all authorities are heaven on earth, but when you look at your life and say, no, I do not obey him at all times. I do not submit to him in all conditions. Then you don't truly believe this statement that Jesus is making. It's a, it's a feminist writer, popular on Twitter, who, who remarked <coughs> once on Twitter. She said, um, you can't be the author of your own life if you are not your own authority. You can't be your own authority unless you get rid of the authorities in your head. Be your priest, imam, or guru. Really? Do you trust yourself that much? The wisest of men, we, we just talk about men, great men. The wisest of men could not even pre preserve their lives. The wisest of men, their visions and ideas could not even outlive them. The wisest of men, they are gone and we're, we're saying, if those men wiser than you, you can't even, you're trusting yourself as the authority. I choose what is right to do in my own life. I determine how I should spend my time. I determine how I should spend my money. I determine the relationship I allow. I, I create branches for myself. I am the one that knows what is right and what is good. I determine what to do. You can't say that. You see, the only thing you can say and the only way you can have a point or a fact against this is to, is to really prove, is if you can really prove that Jesus did not rise. That Jesus is just like every other leader or every other religious leader has come, like Buddha or like, no, 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 no. But none of those rose from the dead. None of those claim authority over life. Or none of those claim to have all authority in heaven and on earth. None. So if Jesus did rise and has his authority, then you can't choose to live your life any way you wish. You can't. Either you accept this or, or, you, or you choose ever. The next point is command. All nations and all the things. So, see, we often take this command and say, go and make disciples um, all nations, everywhere in the world, blah, we take it out without really looking into the all-authority statement that Jesus makes. You see, it makes sense to go and make disciples. It makes sense to teach everyone everywhere to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. 
if we truly believe that he has all authority in heaven and on earth, it makes sense. It makes sense for Jesus to say, go, make disciples of all nations, baptize, teach everything and command. But if you look at the people that Jesus was referring to right there in Galilee, you see, the Jewish people were not the traveling people. The Jewish people were not the seafaring people. The Jewish people remain, the Greeks, the Phoenicians, they all travel, they move around, they, they go. The Jewish people stayed in their own place. And then Jesus was speaking to, to these disciples. Disciples who slept on him while he was praying in Gethsemane. Disciples who betrayed him. Disciples who denied him. The disciples who deserted him in his time of greatest pain. And he's looking at them and saying, go to all nations. Jesus also talked to this set of people who are believing in Judaism. Judaism is a religion that brings people in. It doesn't send people out. We are the ones that God has called. Every other person is even wrong. If God is going to see, God is saving us apart from all people. And Jesus is giving his command. He's saying, go to all nations. But Jesus can't because he has authority in heaven and on earth. Now he's not limited to a particular country or nation or state or a kind of people. He's saying, all, all, all. So they went on his authority. You know, these, these guys went, went on. So many suffered shipwrecks, like Paul, read persecutions. They faced kings. They faced diverse authorities. They, they've endured generations. They've endured several centuries. We are here today because these 11 disciples, these disciples took on the call. They acted on the authority of their king. They acted on the authority of him who, who was ruler over heaven and on earth. It is why we can sit here today. It is why we are here today. So today, it stops at our table. Because if, we, if the book stops at our table, because if we look, currently it's, it's, it's noted that about 2 billion people in over 6,000 people groups in the world have not even heard of King Jesus. They know nothing about him. This is not to say about people who have heard and have not given their lives to him, have not submitted their, authority, their lives to him, have not submitted to his lordship and authority. This is not talk about those. This is not talk about those who are locking somewhere around, even in, our own, even in our own country, even in our own city. Or some who are even locking somewhere in our church, in a choir department, or in our, um, you know, just in our workers' units, who have not submitted to his lordship, who have not submitted to his authority, who have not given Jesus the full claim and right and power over all of their lives. The call is to us, go and make disciples of all nations. Because we live in the city of Lagos. I just, I just want to be more specific. So if, a few weeks ago, my, my, my younger brother who works in, um, um, who works in the fashion and model industry, you know, came to tell me about, he tells me everything about the use in his industry and all sorts. But I, I never knew that he had, um, I would not say blossom, but that, that evil um, in his industry was, was that much. I wouldn't have thought it was. Um, and he told me of a friend who invited him to his birthday party. And why, why they were there? He knew that because the models did not really make a lot of money. You know, they look fine and all on Instagram. Always having my brother, a broke model. But you know, people would feel like I made all the money, but I'm very broke. Yeah, but it's not here today, so. 
So, <clears throat> in, at the birthday party, they had lots to eat, lots to drink. I was wondering, guy, what's up? Are we not in the same distance? Are we not doing the same kind of job? What's happening? Like, ah, guys, see, you don't know. You, see, this, you think it's from this thing, right? It's not, of course, not from that, that other ways. He didn't say anything, and the party went on. So, after a few minutes, my brother noticed that several other people were staring at him, several other guys, you know, were staring at him and looking at him, and somehow the shower was noticing him. Not until um, a few minutes, you know, after, maybe he walked away, and then one guy actually walked up to me and said, ah, What's up? I'll be giving you eye, you know. He said, ah, What's happening that, um, that he does not understand what he's saying? He said, ah, That he likes him. Very much. That he likes him very much. Ah, no, that he doesn't get that he likes him. That, what is there? That you know that he does, don't have money. That, not, that he can help him. That this thing cannot, that he can really help him. And then he ignored the guy. So several other guys were acting the same towards him until that his friend who invited him came to meet him. I think, like, what's wrong? Why is he dolly now? That's one of the reasons why I invited him here. And why is he not, you know, eating to their requests and their calls? You see, see there are people, that numbers he could give him right now. And that if, if, he, if he answers, he's going to make some, you know, start calling some, some amount of money, like hundreds of thousands that he's going to make. So, and he starts saying all sorts of unspeakable things that I can't even say yet. So it is not even, it is not even, um, not even, this has become some kind of prostitution amongst males. Not even those who consider it has become some kind of prostitution. Some who, who do not even claim to be same-sex oriented, who just does it to make ends meet. Several of his friends. So while they were going home, they, are, they, were, they were walking away, and then a group of people were approaching them. So my friend, and my brother, and his friend, a group of people were approaching them. And then suddenly, my, he, he told me that his friend tried to dodge behind him, and a couple of other guys, please, please dodge. He said, what is that? Just, just dodge. He said, ah, now my church people, now my church people. He said, ah. He said, what now? Nah? I suppose the choir has out today. I suppose the choir has out today. <laughs> and, my, and my brother was saying, ah, so even the choir. <laughs> so shut up, shut up, because I don't tell you, say, oh, this thing happened. And so they walked past, but the, the, somehow the pastor or somebody finally got to me. I said, ah, brother, listen, why do you not say, ah, that he's been sick, that he's been this, and that's why I could not come for choir houses. So, the point I try to make is, the call to make disciples is to all nations. It requires some of us to go on short-term missionary, to go on short-term mission trips. It requires some of us to even go long-term. But right there in our city, right there at the nook of our nose, right there in our streets, in our corner, there are those whom we think are disciples but are not. There are those whom we think are submitted to the Lordship of Christ Jesus. There are those whom we think obey him and submit to him because they are active in church that are not. The call is not far. The call is within us right now. So what are we doing to submit? So if I, because if I, if I speak in a Nigerian lingo, you know what Jesus is trying to say is, see, disciple that does not make disciple, is that one a disciple? <laughs> so making disciples is, it means that we would have to spend time with people, spend time with one another, showing them and telling them repeatedly and in several ways what it means to submit to Christ's lordship. Yeah. It means that we can't stop at just conversion. Yeah. It means that we have to do with everything that we have and wherever we are. Yeah. Or it means that as a mother or as a father, it means that you have to catechize your children. I don't know if that's the pronunciation. Man. Not that too sure. 
It means that we have to disguise our, 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 our children. Like showing them what it really means to be disciples. Showing, not, not allowing them to live our subject or we living as our own subject, building our lives around them, building everything around them, making sure it's for my child. I'm not in this for my child. I cannot make this because of this, because of that. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, see, as a disciple, as one who has submitted his lordship and his authority, that is your primary duty. Then you center every other thing in your life around that. Jesus is saying that our gospel communities are not just for discussion and eating. It is to show our brothers, to show our sisters what it is to be, to be one who submits to Christ's lordship and authority, obeying him at all times and submitting to him whenever and all times. Because if we are not, we might be practicing Judaism. We might just be living in our own comfort zones, expecting just an opportunity to come. We will not be going out. We will be essential and saying just our cocoon, just our own circle. You see, it doesn't end there. <clears throat> because if we rely on mere decisions for Christ, you know, if we rely on occasional author calls, the many so-called new bets will be still bonds on delivery. And that is why Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing. Baptism, yes, refers to a sign, a mark that you now belong to the body of Christ. But baptism also means that you are now united. You have now committed yourself. It means that you've been incorporated into a worshiping community where you will be accountable, where there are boundaries, baptized. Do you know <laughs> I don't know if many, many who are like me. I, I cannot count the number of times I came out for what I call. Many times. Maybe like four or five times. Yeah, because most gospel presentations that we have in our city, in our country, are not, are not full. They're either moralistic or they are too, um, you know, too liberal. Or someone calling out and saying, see, if you don't come now, I'm going to count ten. If you don't come, and then he's doing two and a half, you know, two, and he's doing one. You see, because most other decisions, most other core decisions are not actually professions of faith. They're actually the beginning of a journey of seeking God. Of course, there are many new births that have come through other decision calls and all that. But many, 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 many are not. And this is the reason why <clears throat> church, church planting, like Yemi has shown us today, is the most effective way to spread the gospel. Paul, the greatest missionary, what do you do? You have two simple strategies. He goes to the city in the country, a city that has capacity to influence all other parts of the country. And when he does, the second thing he does is to plant churches. That was what Paul did throughout his career. So what are we going to be doing as a church? What, 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 are you going to, what is your call? What is, what is our, as a church, we want to give ourselves to church plans. What is going to be your role? How are you going to be praying about this? How are you going to be generous? How are our church leaders going to be committed to this so that our eyes are not turned from the vision? For at the end of this year, about 600,000 people, just been estimated, 
will arrive in Lagos by the end of this year, new. A country of about 20 million already. Nations are coming to our city. Immigrants, I just go back. Are we going to eat the call of go and make disciples of all nations, even where, right where we are? It's up to us. And then Jesus ends this command by saying, see, teaching them to observe, every, teaching them to observe, to obey everything that I have commanded, teaching them everything. There's a friend, um, there's someone I'm trying to befriend. He's an artist, she's an artist. And then she's... <laughs> he's an artist, visual artist. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm acting like I just go back. <laughs> I should say, imposing your faith, however little or big, or existent, or non-existent, it's, imposing your faith, however little or big, or existent, or non-existent it is, will never fly with me. Stop dragging people into your fears. That is a faith statement. That is, that is so religious. Like, why, why would she say that? What, who gives her the right? What kind of... That's another kind of religion, don't you think? She's saying, don't. Like, nobody should do that. We should not be telling people to do that. But our own faith is inherent in our own faith. is the command to make disciples actively. That is what our faith is. If, if I'm not going to impose... I'm not trying to impose my faith. I'm just trying to live out my faith. This is the Great Commission call. The command to go to all nations teaching, making disciples, going. So let us evangelize. The work of evangelism or the work of the evangelist is not done until they evangelize. Evangelize. Until we make disciples that make disciples, our work not done. Disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Until we plan churches that plan churches that plan churches that plan churches, our work is not done. That is the call that we have, that we've received. So we should go. For in going, we are reenacting, like, you know, when, when man was first created, the Genesis 1, was, man was commanded to go um, into the world, be fruitful, multiply, replenish on the earth. But that man, we knew, fell. He could not. He didn't submit to the full lordship. He didn't submit to the full authority of God. But in Jesus, we have one who has submitted on our behalf. We have one who has given, who has all authority, one who has risen from the dead, one who passed the test that Adam could not pass in Matthew 4. He passed all the temptations of the devil. And so it's a reenactment of that command in Genesis 1. Go and make disciples. Go multiply, fruitful, and replenish the earth. This is what we have. The final point as around is comfort for all time. You say, remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Uh, Jesus says this because he knows how scared these guys were. He said, some worship, some doubt. He knows how scared these guys were. He said this because he knows that some of them will die for him. Some of them will face hardships. Many of them will suffer. Many of them will lose a lot because of him. 
He said, but remember that I'm with you always to the end of the age. In Acts 1, he said, wait for me, God. He said, till I send power before you go. You see, the, the presence of God that goes with us is the Holy Spirit. Why Jesus may not be here with us bodily, he said, I will send you a comforter like myself. There is no difference between me. and We are the same. It's God. Baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The same. He said, the Holy Spirit will be with you, going with you. As you face this hardship, as you face the persecution, as you face this difficulty of spreading the gospel. This is what we have. This is the comfort that we have in Christ. This is the comfort that we have through him to go forth. We do not want to embark on some quick, some kind of spiritual um, get-rich-quick schemes, you know, just a rally there, an event there, or here and there. See, what we want to have is some kind of spiritual mutual funds, a long term, making, making disciples of all nations, a church. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we want to do. So we have his authority, we have his command, and we have his comfort. So when you go for today in your work, when you go for this week, you know the regular Lagos lingo. Um, and when someone eats your car or something happens to you, and then you're quickly saying, do you, know, do you know who my father is? Come on, why will you do that to me? By come out of this, by call someone. Right? In the Great Commission, it's different. We have the, someone who had rights and power, someone who had everything, who could do anything, Relinquishing is power, relinquishing is right. Dying for your sake so that you can have the right and power, so you can have the authority, so you can have the presence to go forth. So when you're going forth, you are saying, see, see, see. You are saying, you are saying that, do you know who my father is? Do you know who I serve? Do you know whose authority I'm submitted to? Do you know who the Lord that I serve? But you're not saying it arrogantly. You're not saying bold. You're not saying it harshly. Because you know that someone surrendered his life. You know it's not your authority. You know it's not your own power. This is the call that we have. Amen. So let us go. Seeing him who has authority from Galilee to Lagos, him who's called us to do this here and, and for all time. I pray God will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we... Um, <clears throat> all right, thank you because you are, you are the word... You are the word at the beginning. You are the word at the beginning for, for I didn't know how to bring forth your word. I didn't know how to say it. For you are the word, you are the means, you are the orator yourself. I pray, Father, that we will not be forgetful years. I pray, Father, that we will not obey you when we feel like we will not obey you when it's convenient. But our whole lives, our whole lives, our whole lives will be, will be about going, making disciples, going about baptizing, teaching to others to obey all that you've commanded us. That we'll rely on your authority. And we'll be rest assured of your presence that is with us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.